From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. This week, we're flying into the world of bird watching. My name is Sarah Chitsas, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news and stories. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge that this episode was created in the ancestral, unceded, traditional territory of the Coast Salish peoples, in the territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, or so-called Vancouver. This episode is being broadcasted from Treaty 6 territory in Amiskwati, Uskaigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. Specifically, we are broadcasting from unrecognized Papas Chase Cree territory. The Papas Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many First Peoples who built their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you are on. As we talk about birds today, I invite you to consider the ways in which Indigenous peoples have, and continue to, engage in conservation and wildlife management. Later on, we'll be discussing one example of Indigenous wildlife management through the story of Purple Martins. This week, I'm taking you under my wing as I begin my birdwatching journey. First, we'll talk a bit about birdwatching and why I'm talking about it today. Then, we'll hear from my friend and bird enthusiast, Kitty Rogers. Later on in the episode, I'll share my reflections on my very first birdwatching experience. I've had a sometimes difficult relationship with birds. Growing up, my family had a couple of pet birds over the years. I still remember being a little freaked out by them and their somewhat sharp beaks when I was a child. Moving to Vancouver, I have fallen victim to annual swoop crow attacks in the streets of downtown multiple times over the last eight years. But since moving to Vancouver, I've also become increasingly aware of the amazing diversity of birds that can be found throughout the city. I think the first time I remember being really excited about seeing a particular bird was when I saw a very majestic Pacific Great Blue Heron perched on a rock while I was walking along the coast in Vancouver. That was the first time I'd seen one of these birds in the city, and to this day, Great Blue Herons are my favorite bird. Living in an urban center, it can be really easy to feel separated from natural spaces and wildlife. Birds are one of the few animals that we can see pretty much everywhere, whether we're in rural or urban areas, on land or in water, and across all seasons. I also appreciate birds because, especially in the case of migratory species, 
birds can really connect people across the world in having the shared experience of witnessing them, and I think that's really cool. Recently, I've gotten more excited about the idea of taking the time to engage in birdwatching. As you may expect, birdwatching, sometimes called birding, at its core is just observing birds. There are a variety of ways and levels in which you can engage in birdwatching, ranging from backyard birding, where you begin with identifying and watching birds in your own backyard or neighborhood, all the way to taking full excursions to different environments, specifically with the intention of observing specific types of birds in their natural habitat. Then there's also a whole world of bird photography. Many websites online tout birdwatching as a great activity that's accessible for pretty much everyone. Although websites often suggest that you need certain equipment, like binoculars or specific bird guides for your region, the truth seems to be that birdwatching can be as simple as looking out your window and trying to identify whatever birds you see. To learn more about flying into birdwatching, I spoke to my friend Kitty Rogers. Kitty is probably the most bird enthusiastic person I know. Here she is now. Hi there, my name is Kitty Rogers and my pronouns are she, her. So to start out, could you tell me a bit about yourself and your connection to birds? Sure. So I am currently a graduate uh, thesis student in the Department of Resource Economics and Environmental Sociology in the Rural Sociology major at the University of Alberta. And I studied my undergraduate degree as well uh, here at the U of A, and I took a Bachelor of Science in Conservation Sciences. So that was really my kind of formal beginning of my interest in birds. And that was through taking John Acorn's Renar 205 course on wildlife, biodiversity, and ecology. So throughout my undergraduate degree, um, as students had the opportunity to go bird watching as a class and we got to take part in nature walks and Edmonton's River Valley and some of the beautiful parks around. We also had the opportunity to go up to Lac La Biche for field school. So we got a lot of hands-on bird watching experience there. But I think I've always been interested in birds. And I can remember my grandma and grandpa's backyard in England. And my grandma had lots of bird feeders and she had like a little bird bath set up. So we would often sit out there and watch the birds when I would visit with her. And she was a really big animal lover. She even spent some time working at the London Zoo in England. And I think that that really sparked my interest in animals and specifically birds. So through my education at the U of A and some of the summer student positions that I held at the Camrose Wildlife Stewardship Society and later at the city of Edmonton's John Jensen Nature Center, I became more familiar with local birds here in Alberta. And I even got to share that knowledge and my excitement with members of the public, um, children that would come and visit at school trips to the nature center and kids at day camps that were based out of the nature center. That is so lovely. So I know you're quite knowledgeable about purple martins, and I was wondering if you could share more about them and their story. 
The purple martins are a very interesting little bird with a really cool and fun story. I, I love the bird. I love talking about them. And so I'm really excited to be able to share some of this story with you today. So despite seeming so small, the purple martin is actually the largest of North American swallows. And they have this wildly large range for which they visit and live. So they're all across North America and they also live in South America. So up here in Alberta, around the Edmonton area is sort of the northest range that they have. So human relationships with the species go back for hundreds of years, dating back to before European settlers arrived to what is currently known as Canada. And before humans became involved with the purple martins, the bird typically nested in hollowed out trees. Um, so nature, natural environments, but all of this changed when at some point, a few centuries ago, possibly even longer ago, indigenous peoples began their relationship with the friendly bird. So it's documented that purple martins began to nest in gourds that were hung up to dry by these indigenous peoples. And this began a reliance on humans by the purple martins. And to this day, purple martins prefer to nest in human-made shelters rather than nesting in those hollowed out trees that they used to live in, you know, thousands of years ago. So in the 21st century now, the Purple Martin House typically looks like a small white condo building on the top of a white pole. So it's this big, beautiful birdhouse that's bright white color with lots of little holes for them to live in sort of a shared accommodation, if you will. <laughs> So though the birds nest up here um, and across North America during the spring and summer, they actually fly south to spend the fall and winter in Brazil, which is pretty nice if you ask me. But due to this incredibly long journey that they have to make this uh, during the year, as well as the increased competition that they face with non-native species such as sparrows and starlings for things like uh, shelter and food, the birds have faced a major decline in population. Researchers across the world and within Alberta have worked to improve the population numbers. So one example of this is the Purple Martin Project based in Camrose, Alberta, which is southeast of Edmonton and home to the U of A's Augustana campus. In 2003, the Camrose Wildlife Stewardship Society began this project to increase the population and also to study Purple Martins adding more purple martin houses and working with local landlords to manage the houses and take care of nests. So these landlords are volunteers that take on sort of the management of the purple martin condo buildings, if you will. So since beginning the project, interest has grown steadily and also with that has been the increase in the purple martin population. I had the pleasure of spending the summer of 2016 working for the Camrose Wildlife Stewardship Society on this project. And that's where my Purple Martin passion really began. To this day, whenever I see one of those little white houses up in the air, I am just filled with excitement. I love it. I love seeing them swoop around and just super fond memories of working there and getting to take part in such an awesome project that brings together these real ideas of conservation and how humans can contribute to conservation. What a beautiful story. I'm really excited to hopefully one day see a Purple Martin <laughs> in the world. I hope you do. That was Kenny Rogers talking about birds. 
specifically Purple Martins. You're listening to Terra Informa, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM. Now, let's get back to hearing from Kitty. So part of the inspiration for this episode was that I've never actually gone bird watching, but I've become increasingly interested in the birds that I come across in my daily life in the city. So do you like birding or bird watching? How do you feel about it? I mean, yes, obviously, I love uh, birding and bird watching, and probably to the annoyance of everyone around me, I do try to get in some bird watching everywhere I go. So although sometimes I do, you know, wake up on a Saturday morning and have this whole plan for where I'm going to go and set out with that intention of bird watching, I also do it whenever I'm outside and sometimes even from my desk looking out my window, which if you've uh, had a Zoom class with me, you'll notice I'm often looking off to the side and it's definitely because I'm bird watching. <laughs> but yeah, I really, really enjoy it. And I just, yeah, I try to do it wherever I can and, and just make it part of my day as often as possible. One thing that I really like about birding and bird watching is that there's this part that's kind of like mindfulness for me and practicing mindfulness. So taking that time to focus in on a little bird and asking questions about it, like what color is that? What's that pattern it has? What kind of bill shape does it have? These kinds of things that it just really makes it so that your mind is clear of really anything else at that moment. So you are able to just focus right in on something that is so sweet and precious and just peaceful, really. So I find that I'm a lot calmer while I'm bird watching, and also that carries into after as well. So I think I really enjoy that aspect of it. And that's why I try to encourage as many people as I can to at least try it once. That's really beautiful. I like that. So my plan is for this episode to go take some time to birdwatch in my neighborhood. What advice would you give to first-time birdwatchers like myself? Well, I'm really excited that you are feeling this inspiration to go. And um, I think my first bit is to not be intimidated. So just do it. You know, everyone has to start somewhere. Um, You don't have to be an expert or anything. And it can be as simple as what you said, just walking around your neighborhood or even looking out your window and seeing what's in your backyard or on your balcony if you have one. You know, just taking that time to kind of glance around. You definitely don't need to be equipped with the most expensive gear and tools and have the most up-to-date books. It kind of starts with training your eye and ear to see where birds might be. That's a really fun thing to start doing. So, you know, you could you could pass by a shrub that's outside of your building on your way to school or to work every day, you know, walk by it a thousand times. But have you really looked closely at it and seen that there's actually hundreds of little birds hanging out in there that they might be quiet when you're walking past. So if you're super quiet when you walk past, maybe you'll notice them. When I first um, got started with bird watching, I would actually just Google the description of the bird into my phone and maybe like say the city or the province that I was in and see if I could match it up with what was in front of me. So that way I could learn the name, you know, learn a little bit more about it. Is this something that I've come across that's super, super rare or is it something that's really common around here? So I could kind of learn more about the birds that I was interacting with just using my phone. 
later on I was gifted a monocular for my birthday which is like a set of binoculars but there's only one viewing tube and that's sort of when my collection of birding tools really grew from there. I also found it really helpful and encouraging when starting out to join some like popular bird watching Facebook groups. So for example, Alberta Birds was one that I joined and a lot of people in there post their nature and more specifically bird photography. So it's like being able to bird watch just right from your own home and learn all about these amazing creatures that live and visit to Alberta. And the people that post in there are so talented and it's so cool to see, you know, their, their reactions with the birds and be able to see how they captured these birds. And bird photography is a whole other kind of realm of bird watching, which I think is really interesting as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you are ready to purchase some items for your bird watching toolkit, there are plenty of secondhand bird books around Edmonton. And one place that I found to be really helpful is the We Book In on White Ave. I love looking at their bird books there and picking up um, a bird identification book is great too because there's just such detailed artwork in there as well to enjoy. So it's really fun to just kind of read through the book as well, even when you're not actually out there bird watching. Um, lastly, if you have the opportunity to join a bird watching group, it's such a great experience to get sort of some of that hands-on experience. You get to meet with people who are just as excited about birds as you, and they have these skills to be able to teach um, about them to you, which is really a win-win for all of you. I joined a bird watching group when I was working in cameras that summer, and it was actually a seniors bird watching group, and they were just the sweetest group of people, and they taught me so much, and we would meet like super early in the morning and walk around and drink our coffees and look at what we could find and it was a really really fun experience for me and I am looking to join more bird watching groups if anyone has any that they're starting <laughs> up right now. That sounds amazing. I really like your piece about not being intimidated because I think entering into you know some activities that take place in nature like even hiking can be intimidating because there's often a lot of equipment that people talk about needing and a lot of knowledge about what areas to go and where not to go. So that's really nice to hear. Something else I've been thinking about with going bird watching is how can we be the most respectful towards the environments that we are entering into? So are there any ways you can think of that birders can reduce or just keep an eye on their environmental impact? Yeah, so many of the things that birders can do to reduce their environmental impacts are quite straightforward. So when you're thinking about this day that you're going to head out for birding, maybe consider um, taking public transit or biking to the location so that you can reduce your carbon footprint before even getting there is a great way to start. Always remember to pack out what you pack in. So make sure to grab all of your garbage and things like that. Don't leave anything out in nature. And even better, if you can bring like a bag with you and some gloves and clean up garbage that you see along your way in between, you know, admiring the birds is a really great way to help improve the trail systems for everyone that's out there to enjoy nature. So yeah, if you feel like that's something you're comfortable with, I definitely recommend it. And a very important part of bird watching is respecting the natural environment that you're visiting. So that also includes respecting the birds themselves and making sure that you're not approaching nesting birds or disrupting the nests of birds. You know, 
if you notice that you see a bird in a nest, just enjoy it from a distance. Don't approach and don't make the birds feel threatened or uncomfortable. They face enough threats in the world. You don't want to become one of them. And this is especially important for migratory and protected species. So make sure that you're not disrupting those nests. That can actually be a crime as well. If you're walking around, just be careful where you step. You know, some birds like to nest on the ground, so make sure you're not stepping there. And make sure to keep to designated trails and areas. Stay where you're supposed to be while you're out on these bird watching trips. Mm -hmm. When it comes to backyard birding and your own backyard, just make sure that you aren't using any chemicals for your yard that can be harmful to wildlife. Here in Edmonton with the River Valley, you never really know what's gonna end up in your backyard. So you just wanna make sure that you're keeping the space safe for all animals, even pets or something like that that could end up in your yard as well. At the moment, there is this large concern right now for avian bird flu. So it is recommended that you don't have bird feeders out currently because this can contribute to spread. So I know for me, I don't have any bird feeders out right now just because I didn't want to contribute to any spread that could happen for that. And if it's a hot day and you're thinking of putting out a bird bath, just make sure to keep the water cool and shallow in the shade and to clean it out like very often, especially if we're facing something like bird flu right now. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. Those are all very helpful tips. So my last question for you is what's your favorite bird? I think an obvious answer for my favorite bird would be for me to say the purple martins. But it's not only because of that personal experience that I had with them, but also because they are truly lovely birds. They are so cute. They play, they swoop around. They're beautiful to look at. Their call is just something that's so comforting. And they eat mosquitoes. So they're kind of great to see around. But <laughs> what's not to love? <laughs> I also really love tree swallows, which are very similar to purple martins. And I do have this running thing where like if I'm on vacation and I see a tree swallow, then I'm like, this is going to be a really, really good vacation. I know it. I know it now. Like it's confirmed. The bird told me. And this works because usually if I'm on vacation, it's already great. And I'm in like the Rocky Mountains and it's just already going to be a great holiday. But I love having that as like my marker for that. It's really going to be a good one. <laughs> and then also, I think owls are incredibly impressive. They're such magnificent creatures. And I'm a really big fan of the tiny northern sawwet owl. Recommend people to Google image it. You will not regret it. It is the cutest little thing ever. I will be Googling that. <laughs> I can guarantee. <laughs> that was Kitty Rogers talking about bird watching and her favorite birds. After my conversation with Kitty, I was really excited to head to my local park and try to see what birds I could find.
for my first birdwatching experience, I sat on a bench in my local park, which happens to be near the water. I was sitting in an area that has some trees and grass near basketball courts. Although it was forecast to rain, it turned out to be an absolutely beautiful day, with sunlight filtering through the tree canopy. I heard two distinct bird calls, one more song-like, and one was more of a chirping, but I couldn't see the birds and I wasn't really able to identify their calls. I could see seagulls flying around, and there were some northwestern crows wandering around nearby as well. Near the end of my birdwatching time, I finally saw two little birds. I took the best pictures I could, although they were quite blurry, before they hopped away into some bushes, and I tried to identify them when I got home. At first, I thought the little birds were a type of sparrow, like golden crown sparrows. But after doing more research online about what birds are native to my area, I think they also could have been pine siskin or pacific wren. I may have to venture out into the world of birdwatching again to take another look and see if I can pinpoint what kind of bird they were. I was only able to spend about 20 minutes for the first foray into birdwatching, but I found it to be really peaceful. It was a nice experience to take the time to sit outside and really pay attention to my environment. I think the next time I go, I may sit in an area that has fewer people around and I'll try to spend more time to see what birds cross my path. If you haven't tried birdwatching, I would definitely recommend giving it a shot. If you're interested in starting birdwatching, there is a wealth of resources online to support you. As Kitty mentioned, there are social media groups for local birdwatchers, as well as apps and organizations and clubs like naturalist societies and conservation groups that may be able to help you get started with learning about your local birds. That's all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Sarah Chitsas. Thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. Special thanks to Kitty Rogers for sharing her love of birds and knowledge with us, and Hannah Cunningham for supplying some beautiful bird recordings. You can reach us for comments or questions via email at tara at cjsr.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Tara Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa.
anything to be more mindful, I need. <laughs> yeah. I need some peace. So, <laughs> bird watching, here I come. <laughs>